Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Piyush. And this is Level Up Your Way. Okay, so in this episode, we're rejoining our chat with Tim and Dave. And we're looking at uh, everything that's happening in this has happened over this last year, I should say. This one is your favorite because you got NFTs, you got Netflix gaming, you got mergers and acquisitions. You've been tracking that very closely. It's been an interesting year. It's been an interesting year. So yeah, we've certainly got a lot to talk about. Let's uh, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, we're back again for part two. We've got Tim and Dave with us again, and Piyush, obviously. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Adam. Thanks for introducing me to my own <laughs> podcast, but <laughs> let's dive into the questions. <laughs> it's always good to have a roll call yeah. at the beginning. Yeah? <laughs> so in this episode, we're going to be looking at multiple different areas of recap of the, the last year. And I thought the first place to start is the, the part that we missed from the last session, which was probably one of the most interesting parts is really all of the the mergers and acquisitions that have happened over the last year. We've got lots of different, probably most of the large gaming studios have at least bought one other studio. We've got gaming companies moving into ad tech acquisitions. We've got, there's just so many different areas of consolidation within the industry that it's really become a, a fantastic time to be in ad tech. And really, I, I wanted to try and get your views as to the thinking behind some of these moves. Tim, should we should we start with you? Yeah, sure. Well, I think we've seen, I think, four large players emerge um, on the front of like advertising tech in mobile in-app and at the intersection of, of gaming or content. The first one being um, Applovin with their acquisition of Adjust and, and Mopup. And of course, a lot more uh, smaller acquisitions they did along the way. Zynga buying Chartboost, Digital Turbine buying Fiber and Ad Colony, and also earlier already Appreciate, which was a mobile-first self-serve DSP. And then finally, Iron Source uh, with their recent acquisition of Tapjoy. Certainly also a lot of other um, acquisitions. Actually, Iron Source has a longer history of, of buying companies for, for those who don't know the the way they made actually their business into mobile, um, Iron Source Legacy is a desktop browser toolbar company, quite interesting. And they made their way into mobile by buying Supersonic Ads, which was one of three competitors in the space of Offerwall Ads. And now they bought Tapjoy, which basically is exactly the same business and built built a whole like a video advertising network and, and platform around it. Those are kind of the four players, I think, that are emerging um, all of them publicly listed by now, all of them, I think, double-digit billion market caps. Some of them even did the IPO. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, obviously, we're not market analysts or anything, but can we take a, a bit of a stab as to why all of this is happening and especially why it's all happening this if, year? If I can add to where Tim's kind of left off, because you, you, the why has got to actually start with, I mean, you said we're not market analysts, but it's got to start with capsule. And, 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 and although some of the, the Iron Source and Applovin's, you know, moving into supersonic games and line series, although that had already begun, you know, the huge you know, acquisition wallets, you know, hadn't quite kicked in. And I do even ask myself that, you know, would the market capitalization and the insane amount of liquidity and, and ability to raise cash and all the IPOs, would it have happened without the pandemic? 
because you've actually got to rewind to Q1 uh, 2020 when you know, the pandemic and lockdown started kicking in. Markets crashed. You know, if, if only we all had crystal balls, we would have known what to do with our money at that point. But the markets did crash, but very quickly, the reaction of the markets was to hugely value tech stocks. I mean, just look at, you know, the, the, the Zooms, the alphabets, but then every other tech stock absolutely rocketed. Even if their revenues uh, and they're just hitting what they were saying their quarterly targets were, the actual multiples on their revenues absolutely skyrocketed. If someone was valued at 10x their revenues, it was then at 20, 25x, just because they were tech. If you're mobile, if you're gaming, you know, even more so. And um, digital turbines, you know, Tim mentioned digital turbine. Yeah, their, their market cap went from, you know, five, six hundred million, you know, to six, seven billion in the space of six months. You know, if that didn't happen, you know, could they have gone on that huge acquisition spree? I mean, arguably not, or, or, or certainly less so. So I think the pandemic, forcing everyone from home, increased the valuations of all the tech, you know, particularly mobile, you know, type gaming type app-related stocks that then allowed, you know, this spree of IPOs, which is liquidity, you know, that then fuels all of, the, all of these acquisitions. So not, not for one minute I'm saying that, you know, the pandemic was a good thing on, on, on any level, <laughs> but it did result in this huge injection of, of, of cash in, in our industry, if we consider our industry gaming and ad tech. And, you know, so that yeah, was, and that was an sure. amazing. Then, then we've seen that. We've seen that to a huge extent in the the user acquisition numbers that have come through, you know, the huge boost from people working from home more and that sort of stuff and having more time to be able to play, whether or not they should be, that's another question, but, you know, they, they are nonetheless yeah. or have. There is a huge boost to this industry and, and it's really trying to, I mean, for me, it's trying to understand the the moves that were made and and... And why? You know, what, what's the end game from a lot uh, of Even before we get stuff? into the end game, like Adam, I just want Tim's opinion on you know, why did it start? Do you think, I mean, pandemic is one of the reasons, obviously, as uh, said by David, but do you think the whole shift We're not on going the, into why the pandemic yeah, no, started. No, 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 we're not we? going there. No, that's, no, no. That's dangerous territory. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. I think... I'm not going to cover that, I, but... Before I get into answering your question, Piyush, one take on the valuations, I think besides what David already said with the pandemic boosting general market valuations and especially of tech stock in general, and I think anything related to advertising um, in particular, I think there's also an element of investors. If you asked investors on ad tech five years ago, it was a no-go zone because there were too many hyped companies that didn't deliver. It was too easy to build up revenue with no substance in the space which led to a lot of failed companies. And that kind of basically investor confidence in the sector went down. But at the end of the day, we, I think, see the emerging real survivors and strong players in the market. And I think that's often the case with early markets. There is a hype cycle. All investors jump on it. Valuation skyrocket. Then there is kind of the disillusionment because a lot of these fail. A lot of companies overpromise, underdeliver. Uh, some companies go bankrupt, investors kind of pull money from the markets, valuations are below the level they should be, and eventually they get to the levels where they're probably more realistic. And I think one element we're seeing as well is that if you asked investors five years ago, everyone would have said, well, Google, Facebook, maybe a few other big players are going to eat 90% of the market, and there's not much left. Now, I think the sense of investors and the general market today is that it's not as 
straightforward as that. There is going to be other big players, whether that's World Gardens or open platforms. We have seen the trade desk constantly deliver over quarters, quarters, and years, and having a, a massive market cap today. I remember talking to analysts about the trade desk, like financial analysts in the sector, four years ago. No one would have ever thought they would ever go above five billion valuation, and yeah. they are at what now, fifty? Yeah, yeah, forty so, or fifty. Yeah. I think we're seeing like winners emerge, and we're seeing a market that is, after all, massive. The digital advertising market um, believe that it's not all about big platforms, and I think iOS fourteen point five plus has helped to weaken the position of World Gardens. But not only that, I think also regulatory pressure on these platforms has led to them being weaker than they probably used to be three, four years ago. That, that yeah, makes sense. Just but uh, David, like, sharing some thoughts. I'll, I'll put an advertiser head on right now and I'll just say that, you know, like, uh, not head, sorry, cap. Uh, but I'll put an advertiser cap on right now and I'll just think about it like from an advertiser standpoint. Now I have less number of partners to distribute the same budget to because of all the consolidation that has been happening. Do you think, and already I was moving in that direction with the whole IS-14 change, because obviously we're moving into the world of contextual targeting. You don't want to buy in an audience of users at across five different partners. It's better to do it across two partners and so that you're not having an overlap and you're not outbidding each other. Do you think it's helping the advertiser build that case as well? I mean, apart from the consolidation that is happening. So there are different you know, parts. To the answer, one of the part is: is the consolidation creating a conflict of interest for the advertisers? Particularly if we're remaining focused on gaming, well, that that is certainly you know a variable. You know, when you know Iron Source got Supersonic Games, more so app loving, positioning themselves more as a gaming company. You know, is there a potential conflict of interest created by that consolidation? Certainly, there are some tier one gaming companies that that don't want to work with companies that have any kind of competitive elements was their, their value proposition because actually just you know working with them you know it, it's not just you, you know a, a, a trade of goods it includes data in our world you, you know if, if you're if you're using their mmp or their mediation or it doesn't matter who they are you know they're going to see a huge amount of your data so you'd far you'd probably feel far more comfortable with it being you know a non-gaming related company you know you probably feel more comfortable with the digital turbine than perhaps you would do you know with one of the other two uh, so, so is there a conflict? Yes. Um, is it a huge conflict? I think they're overcoming it, actually, to their benefit very well. You, you know, I think there was a lot of noise when AppLoving, you know, acquired uh, Adjust, and, you know, I certainly heard lots of negative reaction from the market, the gaming market, saying, what the hell? You know, they've got all my data. Realistically, how many actually left Adjust? Well, maybe Adam will be in a better position to answer that <laughs> than Tim and I are, but I don't think it was the... the you know, the, the, the initial verbal reaction is always more negative than, you know, than the actual reality and the true cost of chain. But are there some tier one advertisers that, that resents that consolidation? Yes, there are. Are there some benefits and economies of scale to some advertisers of being able to work with one company that looks after monetization, mediation, attribution, and, and they're going to get loads of tokens for free? And of course there are. So there are some benefits. But there are also certainly some conflicts of, of interest that you know that, that have been created. But you know we're, we're all capitalists. You know both <laughs> us them. We're doing, you know why have these companies got into got, got into gaming? Well, because they could see upside there, right? They knew yeah. there was some conflict, and they probably started seeing some of the glass ceilings of their current products and business models. 
Well, you know, where do they see growth? Well, our customers are doing bloody well in the hypercasual. Let's let's get into there. Well, their customers are doing quite well in IAP. Let's move into there, and and, and they're managing the transition and, and the conflicts uh, very very well, uh, as you can see by their valuations and yeah, and market cap. I think I answered your question, which is a bit of yin and yang. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there's conflicts, but there's also some benefits as well of of, of a one stop shop. I mean, that's really what they're trying to position themselves as. Um, clearly, Tim and mine's value proposition would say you need independence and you need to work with partners that you can trust. Uh, you know, sharing your data with, and 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 that you know remains a a, a strong and, and valid case, obviously. Personally, I support your case, to be honest. <laughs> but you know, it's it's it is what it is. Uh, anyway, but it's always going to vary different to for different companies yeah. and the the emphasis they put on different things. Completely agree. But Adam, should we put you on the hotspot and ask you, have you seen a lot of benefit <laughs> because of shift to AppSlayer? Or... <laughs> Did you win a bunch of adjust clients? That's 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 what Pitch really means. I guess the it's not been a bad year for us. That's that's about as far as I'm going to go on this one. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel super awkward. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's not been a bad year for Appsly. Let's put it like that. Fair, but I wanted to speak specifically about uh, Applove and Tim. Like, I mean, the kind of acquisitions they have done. What do you think they're planning? In what space they're planning to get into? Do you think they're going to get into a space of self-reporting network at some point in time with the kind of uh, like the acquisitions that they've done? Well, the question is, I think, to that specific question of self-reporting networks, in a world where IDs, device IDs were still uh, available for the majority of the traffic, self-reporting works uh, as, a, as a concept fairly easily, but even the self-reporting networks are kind of moving away from self-reporting because there is nothing to self-report in a world without IDs. So to that question, I don't think that was the rationale. I think before, like two years before, people would have said, oh, what if a big advertising company buys one of these MMPs and becomes like a self-reporting network? And there was a lot of rumor around that. But I think in the world we are steering towards with much, much less certain attribution data and much more wishy-washy attribution data, I would say, with like SK ad network and probabilistic attribution and a lot of different ways to look at the data. I don't think that is the play here. I think the play is, the rationale is pretty straightforward. It just was probably making 100 million annual revenues, all SaaS revenues recurring, highly synergistic to Adlovin's customer base. They bought that business for a billion dollars. That's not a lot, like a 10x multiple. If we look at where Applovin is trading and other companies are trading on public markets, it, it, was, it was a big bargain. Yes, there is a pressure to that business in the sense that MMPs are facing like headwinds with Apple's attribution changes and so on, of course. But after all, it's still a robust, tough business that still has a lot of opportunity for growth. And then add to that the synergies that you can probably extract from this. I think it's a no-brainer acquisition. And the same goes for Mopap. They bought that company for a billion dollars, I think was reported, yep. or a little bit more than that. Mopap, I think, made 180 million net revenues. So that's a 5.5x multiple on net revenues. It wasn't a fully blown acquisition, as in they didn't buy a full business. They bought, at the end, they bought assets. Yep. And they might not be able to extract the full value of it because some customers may churn and so on. But also they are buying away a large competitor and they were competing a lot on mediation deals with like guaranteed upfronts. And now you don't have that competitor in the market anymore pitching your way. 
just take this alone is is a big rationale plus all the synergies and revenues you get. Again, I think a very, I mean, if you look at AppLovin's market cap, those are all cheap deals for them. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I agree, Tim. I, I I think they were very shrewd, you know, deals that they did. I I I, I don't think their agenda was to become a a self reporting a self reporting network. And I, I agree with Tim with, with with all the privacy changes and iOS fourteen. Actually, they, they, there's less there's less of that granular device ID data. That doesn't mean for one minute that data isn't a huge commodity that has value, and it is. And so when you think when you're losing this granular IDFA type data, well, if you're a big data company, which obviously they are, well, what, what should you do? You need to start expanding and, and, you know, and, and gathering these other data points, which, of course, attribution a huge data point. You know, even if even if iOS turns mostly scan only in the future, which we think it will, you've still got all that Google Advertiser ID attribution data, which is going to be hugely valuable. Um, they've obviously got their their ad network, which is both the demand and the supply side. But then with Max uh, plus the Mopar acquisition, where they're going to try and transition most of the Mopar you know install base to Max, they're actually then owning you know demand, supply, mediation, and attribution. In a, in a world where you've lost some granular data, well, what's the best thing you can do to counter that? Well, just try and you know, you know, grab as much as much data as you can, and 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 I think that was more of the driving strategy behind them. And did they get some very, you know, good deals by doing so? Yeah, I, I think they have, which is why you know, what's their share price today? I think it's at ninety dollars or or thirty five billion, or you know, it, it, it's crazy. And I, I applaud them. You know, I, I know they're loving guys well, as I'm sure you do, and. I think they've done a, a fantastic job. They, they, they'll be writing Harvard business books about these guys. And uh, I, I, I think for, <laughs> for least capital raise, I mean, it's the other thing I applaud them for, to be able to do this and, you know, the, the business themselves, you know, I think they raised only $5 million, you know, as a Series A, you know, back in 2012. It's like, you know, that, 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 that's textbook, how to, uh, how to build a business. I think it's incredible to witness. I completely agree with that. All right. Rather than me feeling super uncomfortable here, let's let's go on to talk about something slightly <laughs> different. <laughs> That was just one question, Adam. <laughs> well, right, I get it. Sorry, yeah, I get the uncomfort. Yeah. <laughs> what about the whole IronSource and, and Bidalgo and, and that whole area? What is it that, that IronSource are trying to create there? It feels to me like it's it's becoming, a again, a, a one-stop shop for advertisers. I mean, they're, they're really covering most of what's needed in order to be able to run playable ads with with Luna now and and Bidalgo running the whole um you know algorithmic buying and all of that sort of stuff it's uh again it's it's going to be another unique offering yeah Tim uh sure so yeah let's first probably look at the different companies they acquired recently uh a tapjoy i think was up for sale for a long time they tried to exit and i think what they got at the end of the day is a very good deal um, I don't think investors, I mean, if you had asked investors at TapJoy if they could sell the company for 400 million cash two years ago, I think everyone would have, you know, taken that deal immediately without asking. So I think the outcome is very good for TapJoy. At the same time, looking at the market valuation of Iron Source, highly synergistic. That deal, in the way I look at it, is more to consolidate the offer world business, which is not growing, I think but has high margins, and now they clearly have a leg up against fiber. And for fiber, it's just one of many products, 
And I don't think there's any other significant player left in that space. So they effectively own that market. It's not growing. It's not that interesting, maybe, but it has high margins and they own that market. Plus, they bought like maybe more access to non-game demand because TapJoy was a bit more into the business of uh, running like non-gaming brand ads and, and, you know, pitching to agencies and so on. So all in all, also kind of makes sense to me. Bidalgo, um, I'm a bit puzzled because I think Bidalgo is a bit more of a services than a, I mean, it's a product company, but with a lot of services around. Yeah. So at the end, they probably bought a lot like team and may, maybe a lot of team um, in there. Um, similar to like when Mopad bought Crossinstall, it was not primarily about a technology acquisition or a product acquisition, I think. And um, then Bidalgo is not an RTB or like ad tech company in the same league. I think they are mostly like a company building tools for optimizing ads on World Gardens, which is a very different product offering, like no access, no ad serving, no access to actual raw data. It, it has its own challenges and certainly is, is an art to make it work for sure. But I was a bit surprised by that because that puts Iron Source in a bit different strategic angle than probably what AppLovin is trying to build. Yeah, I don't think AppLovin would have bought um, that category of company. Hmm. Yeah, it's sort and of I, a different I, I, offering I, I, altogether. Sorry, Pish, in, in, in addition to what Tim said, there are some significant differences between kind of AppLovin and Iron Source Playbook. I think the most significant is that you know, AppLovin makes no secrets at all, or is quite proud of the fact, saying that we are a gaming company. We want to be the world's leading, you know, mobile gaming company. Whilst Einsource are very clear that that's that that's not, you know, who they are. They yeah. want to be the leading service provider to gaming companies. You know, so, so you know, so, you know how real it is, or compared to how you know how much it is positioning and you know, and, and product marketing and you know, company positioning. But but there is a subtlety between the two that I think you know does have have an impact on their on their prospects and addressable market. But David, this brings to a yeah, this brings to a larger point that do you think that consolidation similar to how Applevin did it is going to be a practice going forward in the sense that you know when you're you're owning an ad like you're owning wow. an ad exchange, you're owning <laughs> a mediation platform and. MP so, as well, so, so. so if, there, if there were limitless targets, then yes, one could argue that that would just continue as long as their market cap continues and their ability to print cash. But there aren't many good ones left. You know, I, I, I'd argue <laughs> that you got two of them on this call with you. Um, you, you know, so, so, so with all markets, you have demand and supply. You know, the supply of, uh, you know, of tier one, you know, ad tech, you know, targets is finite. It, 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 yeah. it really is. And actually, the more industry is dominated by big players, actually, the harder it is for new entrants. You know, it really is the case. So, I, so actually, I think the supply of, you know, ad tech, you know, interesting, exciting ad tech startups that, you know, can be acquired is limited and the pace will slow. Um, what about, you know, do they can continue acquiring gaming companies? I'm sure they do, but we also know that their investors, you know, value B2B SaaS revenue more than they do, you know, IAP or ad, or ad revenue. So, I, yeah. I think the pressures are there, but the pool of companies that they can actually acquire is is, is finite. Are there evolving NFT block crypto type gaming <laughs> sectors that will be the next level of growth for them? No, no, no doubt they'll be looking there. So I suspect there will be new horizons that are leading, you know, to the next hockey sticks of exponential growth, as opposed to just acquiring, you know, more ad tech. Although. Rumors are rife about another MMP getting, you know, get, 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 you know, getting 
you know, sweeps up sooner or later. You know how real that is. I don't know. Um, oh, I know wow. I'm, I'm <laughs> did it, you know, for real. good reasons. You know, do, do 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 others follow suit? You know, questionable. I'm not. I'm not sure. Okay. Any any rumors you want to share? Anonymous quotes, of course. Yeah, but, no, but then we're going to make Adam even more uncomfortable, and then you know, then perhaps this podcast doesn't even get published. So, you know, so, 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 so no, I don't want to make Adam. Uh, I won't hesitate to cut. No, you. no, no, I don't want to start squirming in your squirming in your seat. But there aren't many of them, and there aren't many potential inquiries. But there, the no, rumors are rife. But. Uh, I can honestly say from the AppSly side, you know, it's not, it's certainly not our intention to get acquired. We're very much running along the IPO route and that's, will be our future. Very incredible route that is too. Good for you. It's, it's all about staying independent and that's, that's the route that we're taking. Okay. On that note, let's look at another big change that's happened during the year. And uh, this one's, this one's an interesting one. So Facebook one of the biggest social media companies that everyone knows and everyone advertises with, has decided to change their name to Meta. What do we feel about this? <laughs> I keep saying Tim whenever there's an awkward question that I don't want to lead on. So I, 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 I feel a bit unfair keep doing this to Tim. Tim, you go first. You know, are, you know, are they going to be, do they have some super bright people predicting the future and you know, putting some stakes in the ground about what the future looks like and how they want to be positioned? Sure, I think that's been the driver behind it. You know, all of the, you know, you know, predictions of us all spending on our time online in you know, in virtual worlds and in, in the metaverse is you know is where the the name comes from. You know, the metaverse itself is being driven by by crypto and blockchain and the ability to you know record real meta experiences and assets you know on 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 the blockchain. So I think they're predicting the future and positioning themselves well. Do they have products associated with the metaverse i i, I don't think so today uh, the bigger question to me it, you know our consume if if we do spend our entire lives or, or rather our children spend their entire lives in 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 the virtual metaverse you know do they end up trusting meta or aka facebook you know to be in control of all that data i guess they're positioning themselves to say Yes, we can, and we are the meta. I mean, it's pretty clever, really. It's like if, if, if a business 20 years ago called themselves the Internet. You know, we, we, are, we, yeah. we, we are the company called the Internet. Yeah. You know, meta really yeah, could yeah. be, you, you know, the, the best you know, name you could possibly have from a branding and positioning perspective. But um, anyway, that's not in my terms of, headline. Yeah. What do you think about this, Tim? Because not in terms of offering. I mean, we are still unsure as to which, in which direction they're going into. But... What what do you think Facebook is shaping up here uh, in the future? Yeah, I mean one one opinion that I've heard, and I think it's not too far off, is they've kind of moved on from advertising, right? I mean, advertising is what made them big uh, in terms of revenues and profits, and today still like ninety five percent of their revenues plus uh, come from advertising, and I think that is because they've probably realized that there is only so and so much more growth they can go. And I think exceptional returns come from companies that manage to dominate a category, right? And Facebook has probably dominated parts of advertising along with Google, of course. Um, but I think they, they both had their niche. I would say Facebook was always the channel for people to discover new products and more like push marketing. So if you didn't know you wanted to buy something, you would find it through an ad that you see on Facebook or Instagram or any of the properties they're integrated with. And Google was always the go-to advertising channel for intent demand, right? People already knew search 
I mean, and after all, it's still 90% of Google's revenue or 80% or something come from search. I think Facebook does not own the operating system, neither do they own any other asset besides data that can make them really powerful in that space. And with uh, the changes we're seeing with privacy and all the, the pressure, the, the value of data is clearly diminished or is going down. And with that, if we look at like Android, Google is a big contender and for Apple over the long run to kind of dominate on Android, if, for Facebook to dominate Android advertising, I think is unrealistic. And then if we look into iOS, it's clear by now, I think that Apple is building an advertising business. I think no one doubts this anymore. A year ago, it was still an assumption. And I was always of the opinion that this was a double-edged sword, the whole move. And it was always intended to build a business for Apple in advertising. And I think by now that's clear. If Facebook can't dominate advertising on iOS either, then the only way for them to create exceptional returns and, and gr go on from the market cap there today and double and triple that is to dominate any future category. And I think they're all in on that. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to move apart from the name that <laughs> I don't know we everybody has had a lot of feedbacks on. Uh, we're going to move on to the other topic, which is Netflix stepping into gaming. What do you guys think about that? You know, is, it, is there a new player in the market or what's happening with that? We'll start with you, David. I, I, well, I think it's very smart of Netflix, considering the user base that they currently have. You know, I'm a fan of Netflix. I'm sure you are all too, you know, watching your, your, your next favorite series and your movies. If, if you ask yourself, what do you then spend the other proportion of your time doing? You know, playing games. Uh, as well as running our businesses, of course. But uh, so, so it's a no-brainer move, you know, from my perspective, you know, on, 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 their, on their strategy. I also think you know, there's a, a finite number of, you know, of subscriptions that any one consumer can sign up to. You know, it's probably, you know, Amazon Prime, you know, Spotify, Netflix, you know, when you're above three, you know, so actually those companies have got such a good position because they have that subscription install base anyway. You know, can they add some gaming value to it to, you know, to ensure stickiness or to increase the average order value from ten ninety nine a month to, to twelve ninety nine a month? I think, I think, it's, I think it's super smart. I also think it's it, it's similar to what Apple Arcade you know is doing, you know, and, and actually, what Apple's done with IDFA is quite, you know, I consider it quite anti the whole free to play you know advertising monetization business model, you know. So actually, what Apple's doing to to favour arcade and you know they've always been quite anti ads, you know, even Steve Jobs was. So so I th I think what Apple is doing actually favours that whole subscription subscription business model so, so in the future you know, can i see people using apple arcade or, or you know or, or netflix just to subscribe and they get their five ten games per month and then they can flip between different menus i think uh, from a consumer perspective i think it will be you know i think it will be well well received you know how do gaming companies respond to it, it yeah sure I'm, I'm sure there's lots out there that would welcome being acquired by uh, by netflix you know, but those that will just be, you know, kind of licensing or getting some rev share from it, obviously they need to be questioning their different business models. You know, just like the music industry when Spotify came along, you know, they were used to selling their, you know, used to selling their DVDs, so their CDs in shops. You know, suddenly Spotify was seen as a threat, but actually Spotify's turned out to be a pretty good thing for the music industry. I suspect there'll be a bit of turbulence and pain for gaming companies if the subscription model dominates, but. I suspect it will it will find its equilibrium value and and be beneficial to all. 
But I have to say, in terms of a consumer, like not having ads thrown in my face all the time and not having fantastic purchasing deals like forced on you all the time <laughs> that you have to close all the boxes. And especially like, you know, I've got kids and stuff and, and showing the, the kids always want to play a game on the on the iPad or the, you know, my phone or whatever. And being able to give them their choice of any game from Apple Arcade and say, right, you can play that. There's no problems there. And, you know, it's it's uh, there's no sort of accidental them spending, you know, three thousand pounds on my card or that kind of stuff that's that's connected to my account. So it, it's kind of a I think from as a consumer model, it's actually a really nice model. I'm an advertiser, Adam. You're just you know, I want ads. I know, I know. It goes it goes against everything that I've talked about for the past couple of how long. But it's uh I do I do as as a as a consumer, yeah. as a parent, I do I do appreciate as a that consumer model. parent and a marketer of, of past or current advertising companies if if the subscription model dominates does that mean that you know you'll need less marketing and ua you know it's you which know, means it, i'll be out of a job david i wouldn't appreciate that but well, you're, very good at, you know. you're very good at podcast hosting so um that, yeah maybe yeah. just a future job <laughs> but tim what do you think i want to sorry sorry adam a lot of the answer to that question though is an interesting area and a lot of the answers to that question is is how those the sort of subscription models how they progress and if you can start sending, you know, if you can start doing user acquisition, if you can monetize them enough through the subscription model based on the amount of time that you can retain a user in that game, because that seems to be how the the sort of the payment model works for them. Incidentally, I've I've heard some companies saying that they're they're able to generate more from Apple Arcade than they were from running ads in their wow. games to be able to to monetize. So it seems like it's actually a an interesting model which which probably isn't explored anywhere near as much as it should be but it's again this, this was going to be one of my predictions coming up for for the next year should we jump into predictions now early. adam i mean you just said it so should we jump into predictions or do you want to talk about the last topic that we had which is your favorite topic nfts and gaming <laughs> why well, i mean to be honest i think i think we should jump to predictions because i the NFTs and crypto deserves an episode to itself. I think there's there's so much that that I would like to do sort of exploring that area yeah. and exploring it from scratch really to understand how and why everything fits together. I I think we should come back to that. All right, we'll have another episode for that. But Tim, I'm going to put you on a hot spot which is what's the prediction for 2022 now in the tech space. Regarding uh we're going to keep it very strategic high level obviously, but uh, what do you think is going to be happening? in FY22. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we look at the in-app advertising space, I think in-app bidding, you know, has been a buzzword uh, for a while now. And I think it's finally happening. I think what's hold, hold it back or held it back in the past years was the maturity of the uh, technologies available. And when I say in-app bidding, I think the, you know, the bottleneck has always been the supply side because the demand side, at least, you know, companies like David's and, and us, have always been ready to bid in real time on a single impression. And that market has existed. Not all players have been ready for that and still not all are there. I mean, a lot of ad networks still don't support that kind of technology concept in their underlying systems. But um, the bottleneck has always been more on the supply side because it doesn't help, you know, if you're bidding ready on the demand side, but you're bidding into waterfall where the price you pay for the impression is not forwarded to the publisher in real time and the publisher won't monetize on the price you actually pay, but will monetize on a pre-configured 
waterfall item with a fixed CPM, right? So what comes with inner bidding is access to inventory and basically all inventory eventually being accessible by everyone. That's the major change, I think, that we're not talking about pockets of inventory that are owned by certain players in the market, but we're actually talking about all inventory eventually being accessible by uh, everyone, which can also lead to a commoditization of the supply uh, technology. Not the mediation part, because that's still pretty strong, uh, unique asset on the supply side, but anything in between the buyer and the mediation can probably get pretty commoditized fairly quickly. And that's exactly what happened in desktop advertising. If you look at uh, SSPs in the desktop space, they are all like commoditized, low margin, but high scale products. It can still be a very profitable business, you know, transacting a lot of volume at low margins. And I think that's what's happening in the mobile in-app space eventually. Maybe not all in 2022, but in the one, two, three years to come. What what about more direct deals? Like with with iOS 14, everything else, and the visibility blocked off a little bit. What about actually companies starting to make deals with other websites or whatever it may be that they know that the traffic converts well and just buying up all of that ad space? Can I take that one, Tim? It's just I've been discussing it quite a lot with some of my clients before, and, and, and I've, I've got quite a specific view on it. I, I would describe the status quo up until recently, that the, most of the intelligence has been on the demand side. You know, so, 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 so this, would, you know, this would be a, a Google or Facebook, you know, when they bid, well, they know a huge amount about that, that, that IDFA that they were bidding on. So the intelligence was on the demand side, but it's actually made the supply side lazy. You, you know, supply side has got all their impressions, include the IDFA, they're going to monetize it because they, they know all the intelligence. And they'll bid super high on a match three whale. Cool, everyone's happy. IDFA disappears. My view is that it actually forces advertising back to what it should have been. So to what it was 10 years ago and what it should have been before Facebook got hold of device IDs and started building profiles, which was where The Guardian would sell to BMW. And they would sell that they had a male skew, 25 to 45, high net worth. Since the supply side actually selling their first-party data, that's what I think more of the future would be. It's, it's not possible at, at scale yet because there needs to be standards, there needs to be taxonomy. So I do see a future where big publishers, within the bid stream, when a taxonomy, so a standard, an index of what first-party data means, ad whale, depositor, medium deposit, whale, they probably never include their whales in the bid stream. Direct deals have meaning and scale and value if it can perform performance is always led by data you know so if, if the demand side doesn't have the data the supply side does and it's first party data so that's definitely one of the trends that i, I see happening i mean our customers and you know pmps and preferred pricing pmps uh, you know being discussed more and more but it's got to be enriched with supply side data no, but do you think it's going it to be potentially go go sim- more similar to sort of TV advertising? You know, where you have you're buying ad space and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get in return. No, for that but, ad but, space. but 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 mm. in, in in our performance, you know, everything you know in, in the industries that we mainly operate in, it's all about it's all direct response performance. If it if it if it doesn't if it's not run as positive. You know, that people drop out of the market, prices drop. There's a new equilibrium that is then run as positive. It's got to be run as positive, and it's going to be driven by data. The data is just on the supply side. And, and I encourage all, you know, I wish that IAB did more in, 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 our, in, in, our, in our gaming ad tech industry than they do, because I think having a taxonomy of first party data, it, I think it will be established. I don't think it can come from a, for, you know, from a, 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 a you know, capitalist startup. 
because it's better off coming from an industry body. But what's what's that space? So yes, I do think that's one of the future trends. I've got a couple of others if we have time, but um, I don't yeah, know. please go ahead, David. I think the consolidation of this year that it can't continue at the pace that it had, uh, as per our, our previous discussion, not many left. What I'm the thing that either will or or will not dictate a lot of the strategy and operational craziness next year will be what Apple decide to do with enforcing ATT or not. If it's as is in Q4 and everyone just you know continues probabilistically matching and largely ignoring scan, it's just you know I, I don't think next year is going to be so much different to what we're experiencing in Q4. And what I, I am expecting is that Apple will actually maybe take a far sterner position. If all of the advertisers and marketers that we work with are forced on scan only, I think there'll then be a lot more innovation, a lot more operational, you know, scrambling around scan and optimizing campaigns, uh, you know, for scan. And, and, and for me, it's a leveler. It's a leveler that hasn't yet happened in this in, in our industry. So, although you know, scan seems painful and sometimes not fit for purpose, it's a leveler, and I think it will bring net positive to the to the industry. May I say? That, uh, that makes sense. Nothing on Android, Tim, David? No, no, no guesses on Google, Android 12, and you know what changes are going to come with that? I, I believe Google Advertiser IDs are here to stay, at least for the medium term. I'd say the medium okay. term is, is more fair. than next year. I'm not expecting 2022 to be uh, GAIDs are, are being deprecated. I don't, I don't think that will happen. I think uh, whenever Google makes kind of suggestions like this, it always drags and they have project creep of their own. So... 2022 Google Advertiser IDs will be around for sure. Yeah, uh, same here. I think uh, any prediction beyond 2022 is difficult, but for next year, I would think the same. I think another thing will be interesting to observe is like our um, walled gardens, will they continue to lose ground? With recent changes Facebook made with their measurement program, I hear a lot of pain points from, from advertisers, especially in the gaming space, that they've lost track of uh, measuring impact of Facebook advertising even more so. So that makes them less confident spending in Facebook, which in turn, like, I think with Facebook, we've almost seen like a spiral kickoff of like, I, I wouldn't call it a downward spiral, but a spiral that actually spend is pulled. The less you spend, the less important Facebook becomes. At some point also, advertisers have basically decided that, okay, if Facebook has become such an irre irrelevant channel for us in a certain category of our uh, business, um, then we're not going to put all the work in we were willing to put in before to measure all this more complex stuff. We just go with other channels. So I think it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how much of a role Facebook will play, and maybe they will have a comeback. Maybe they come come out with a lot of. If if fingerprinting is going away, if probabilistic attribution is going away for real, then we may very well see a big comeback of of Facebook as well because they've certainly properly prepared for that world. Yeah. That is true. Uh, much more so than any other player in the industry. So, Completely yeah. true. All right, but, guys. Sorry, Tim, do you have another one? I was just, yeah. Another point I have is I think kind of the game, in-app advertising is mostly driven by games, both demand and supply side. And if we look at the larger economy and advertising in, as a whole, right, gaming is just a fraction of it. So yeah. one big question I'm always asking myself is when will we see, you know, e-commerce massively spend on in-game advertising? When will we see brands massively spend? Because I personally believe the inventory is great. There's a lot of high-value eyeballs, but the market has not kind of, I think, realized that potential. 
I mean, brand, brand advertisers still spend money in channels that, in my opinion, are much less, much less effective. You know, a lot, a lot more of that spend should go to rewarded video ads. Um, they're great. They're like high-definition ads. They're pre-cached on the device, 30 seconds guaranteed view-through. Of course, there is a reward for the users to view through them. But nevertheless, it's better than buying like high CPM video interstitial on a desktop website where the user is annoyed to hell, um, <laughs> you know, when scrolling on content and then like, yeah, you can't skip that ad. That annoys users. At least there is a value exchange in rewarded video for the users. So in my personal opinion, if I was a brand budget owner, if I was at Procter and & Gamble and, and responsible for like a couple of hundred million brand spend, I would put a lot of that into mobile ads. Actually. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that happens. Bring the brand bucks into in-gaming programmatically. Yeah. I just think it makes sense. Yeah. The user is obviously important, but it's just that, you know, the moment targeting and users playing game and not actually watching the ad and other stuff. But that's that's a different ballgame altogether. But... Adam and you and I, we're not going to make any predictions, luckily. So we are lucky people on this, <laughs> in this podcast. But we're going to revisit this with you, David and Tim. And we're going to come back maybe next year. I don't know. But, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to look at the predictions. We're going to talk about it and let's see where we are. But thanks a lot for joining, Tim. Thanks a lot for joining, David. It's always fun having you guys together. And yeah, thank, thank you. Look forward to the next. See you around. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Wow, so much to talk about. That's that was fun. a cracking conversation. I'll tell you what, people, everybody's going to be irritated at the fact that we did not discover and talk about NFTs because I really want to know. I have no idea. There was so much more to talk about. There were yeah. so many different <laughs> things to talk about. It's, uh, yeah, it's almost worth getting them back in for another episode. But, I mean, it's always you know, fun. One thing we, we're going to get them back because we're going to discuss their predictions next time. We're going to tell them if it's right or wrong. It's going to be fun. <laughs> now, I've got a little bit of bad news. We are... We are going to be taking a little break. Yes. Um, but we are going to be back in force in January. So yes. we've, we're going to we're going to we're going to uh, have a little bit of a rest over the uh, the festive period, and then be back in time for January. I think we all deserve a break, Adam. Don't you? Uh, so, but yeah, uh, have a great holiday, everyone, and we'll be back in January, and uh, hopefully we'll be joined by Tim and David again. So, thanks, Tim and David, and uh, looking forward. <laughs>